So I love this passage. I love this passage um, because I love this passage for so many reasons. But one is because I used to volunteer for the children's ministry in Chicago. And uh, the leader of this ministry decided to start teaching the kids to memorize scripture by creating raps and motions. Sound familiar? Turns out it's not an original idea. <laughs> but this passage in particular has honestly stayed in my head like ever since the, that time because of how the visuals, the visual motions drew me into the word. And it went like this. The valleys will be filled, the mountains and the hills made level, the curves will be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. And all the people shall see salvation sent from God, salvation sent from God. And we did it every week. And more and more, every time we did it, it became more real. It became more than words and motions. It was just like, wow, God kind of covers everything in this passage, right? Like there's literally nothing God can't do and there's no one he can't save. And his kingdom is just above it all. Um, so it says in verse four, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And in the commentary I read, it, it kind of explains that John is calling everyone to repent as a way of preparing their hearts for the Lord's visit. And he's telling them to remove any obstacles that stand in the way of the Lord taking his rightful throne. Now, John is talking to a very diverse audience. Um, they are each equally kind of trapped in very different perspectives of the kingdom. And they're all very sure of themselves. Um, we had the secular leaders. Uh, there were, he, he was talking to secular leaders. He was talking to very high religious pr priests, leaders, um, and people who were proud of their lineage. Um, and John's just like, your kingdom is not the kingdom. Like none of your kingdoms is the kingdom. Your agenda isn't high enough. Your 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 focus isn't isn't enough. And before I continue, I'm kind of approaching the theme of God's kingdom from a very like wide sort of general standpoint. And then I'm going to be slowly kind of moving in closer and closer to a more intimate kind of like application. But my first question is wh what when when you think about the kingdom of God, when you think about Yahweh's rule, like what is Yahweh's rule like, like on this earth? Do you ever like take time to ponder that? Like what is Yahweh's rule on this earth? You may have heard the term like the upside down kingdom. And, and that's correct because it's in contrast with what a typical king's rule is like. In our worldly mindset, you know, things that are rewarded in, in our kingdom and our, on our, our earth are like ambition, you know, selfishness, wealth, power, um, our lineage, being someone of great value um, and self-centeredness. But God's kingdom isn't any of those things. And equally, the kingdom of heaven is not about self-righteousness or it's not about what you know or being like hyper spiritual and having all these experiences or having all these rules down and just kind of like nailing it. 
Jesus gives us many examples of Yahweh's kingdom. And one example I'm going to read now. And I just encourage you to listen and try to envision this happening today in our society. Try to see where Yahweh's rule squeezes in and where our kingdom mindset kind of sticks out like a, like a mountain. This is Luke 18, 10 through 14. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, or the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And what I'm learning from this week's study, and just even from the posture of the tax collector who, you know, his reputation was not good in that culture is the first step to encountering the kingdom is to always start with humbling yourself repent make room for the lord to visit and it's funny because i think we all have different seasons where we've approached god a certain way or we've welcomed his kingdom in and even just in my own history like While I always had a relationship with God and I always believed in him, I definitely came to him sort of through different lenses and with different angles. Like my first decade of like coming to Christ, I was definitely more legalistic. You know, I I loved the law. I loved the law. But I didn't really know how to love people yet or or God. (laughs) Later, I was a little bit more caught up in sort of a self-righteous mentality and very focused on my works and um, what I could or couldn't accomplish. And it was very like, it was kind of one of the worst seasons of my faith, honestly. Later, I found myself very, very in sort of a valley of, of darkness and honestly became almost borderline agnostic. Didn't really even know what to say to God because I was just felt very cold and alone. And even this last week during uh, an exercise from our Monday night group, I like literally had a vision of me like inviting God into my home, like my heart, my home. And I invited him in. He came in and then I walked out. (laughs) Like I still found a way to disconnect with God even after inviting him to connect with me. And these hills and valley opportunities, they, they never end. But what's important to note is that these are human conditions. These, this is the human condition. And God knows that we, we fall short often. And that's why he's given us his son, Jesus. He's given us this gift of grace through faith in Christ alone. We are redeemed. 
And it's not by our good works. It's not by anything we've done, but by being purchased with Christ's blood. When we believe on Christ, when we believe on him, put all our weight and all our value on what Christ did on the cross, on God's incredible love and devotion to set us free from sin and death. And, and our good works are just, they're just as filthy rags, you know, but God, Christ set us free. Jesus paid for our debt. We can't pay for our debt. Jesus paid for our debt and we are now welcomed freely, free grace. It's a free gift. We are welcomed freely into the family of God and we are given a clean slate with Abba, our father. We're adopted in. And if you put your faith in, in, if you have not put your faith in Christ Jesus today and what he did on the cross, I encourage you to make room, make room for the king and let his kingdom heal your mind and your heart. But for the rest of us who have accepted this free gift of grace through faith, I think a key verse that is worth visiting today is verse eight. When John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance because the kingdom of God is 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 the kingdom of God can kind of slip through our formed habits you know it can our formed perspectives or our sinful natures that we still haven't shaken off and uh, we, we we find ourselves very often kind of like stop operating in the kingdom and start seeing our kingdom or rather fitting our kingdom into the story and this can definitely make life more confusing and potentially less fruitful because we've lost sight produce fruit in keeping with repentance another question i came to this week which goes a little bit more more narrow on the subject is like where's yahweh's rule when everything is falling apart maybe it's not so much about me having to move a mountain or changing my mindset about something. But what about when I literally can't see past a season of drought and I'm in the valley or I'm drowning in like dead grass or something? There are many people right now who are broken and desperate this season. Where's Yahweh's rule for them? A big theme all throughout the scriptures that I'm reminded of is the wilderness theme. So many stories demonstrate real darkness, real loneliness, real isolation. Just look at King David, who lived in a cave for I don't even know how long. Real grief, real depression, and real struggle. And I'm reminded that all these things are not things to be despised in the kingdom. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for, for they will inherit the earth. There is a chaplain that I follow. His name's Chaplain Jared, I think. And he has this podcast called the Christian Meditation Podcast. And for anyone who likes you know, meditating on scripture with some, you know, nice little water sounds in the background and like lots of pauses in between and just like, you know, it's a great podcast. I highly recommend it. 
but Chaplain Jared, he he actually has worked in hospice care and he's also been a chaplain for the military. And as you can imagine, he has kind of often been in the center of other people's griefs and their stories. But a few weeks ago, he encountered a personal loss when his brother's wife was killed in a car accident. In this particular podcast, he was processing um, what it meant to experience grief on a new level and encounter God on a new level. And um, I just wrote down some of the things that he shared um, from this episode. (coughs) He said, What's been so comforting is the way God has bound up my broken heart. Not to the exclusion of sadness, but just to prevent me from the dark places of my soul. God has the ability to bind up our broken hearts. As David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I've spent a long time thinking about suffering and how to comfort it. One thing I've come to believe, and I think is represented in scripture, is that fear around grief increases suffering and creates and generates feelings of darkness. I don't claim to understand the full depth of suffering, but this is something I am sensing about grief. Not all sadness produces darkness. Sadness is not evil. I think comfort from the sadness is a gift from God that I'm working to understand. If you're struggling with the depth of suffering, know this. Trusting God can help. Although it won't remove the sadness, faith and trust can reduce the worry and fear that accompany it. Although I don't have the answers, I have this thought as I echo David's words. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The message of Christ is one of comfort. It's one of being held. The kingdom of God is for the broken. It's for the contrite sinner. It's for the one walking in grief. It's for all people to see salvation sent from God. Salvation sent from God. So how do we make room for Yahweh's rule in our lives? We scooch over. Let him sit with you. Turn off the news. Or invite him to watch with you. Get on your knees or stand far back in tears like the tax collector. See, what I've realized this week is that we're all in different places in our faith journey. And the best thing we could ever do is just keep making room for Yahweh to come in. Let him come too. Don't worry about what you have or haven't accomplished or how many Hail Marys you've said or other things you've crossed off the list. The kingdom of God is about intimacy. The kingdom of God is about intimacy with God. Get comfortable with being real with God. Life isn't easy. Whether you're experiencing brokenness 
weakness, excitement, anxiousness, doubt, disappointment. Like a good father, he won't despise our ups and downs. It's so crazy because I was just reading through about 10 journals yesterday looking for something. <laughs> and all my journals, I'm talking to God. And I can confirm he has never despised me despite how crazy <laughs> I've gotten. <laughs> like a good father, he wants to earn our trust so that we come to him and pour out and pour it all out. This is the kingdom. Repent, yes, repent. But not just because it's a rule that you've crossed off. We welcome him into our homes and into our hearts because he loves us, he gets us, he wants us. And not just our fake selves, but the real parts too, the real, the real self. And I'll be honest, I really struggled this week with this passage and with this concept because I really am and always have been the older son in the story of the prodigal son. I've been way more gravitated toward people fixing themselves, readjusting, and just get it right. <laughs> but I don't think the kingdom of God is about getting it right. <laughs> because the gospel is for everyone who got it wrong. It's for whosoever believes. I think about the intimacy of God and what he wants for us, and what he wants is relationship. And in a relationship, you're open to correction. I'm in a relationship right now. There's correction. You ask for forgiveness. There's conflict. There's hills and valleys. But you give your time. You work on it. You love them. You're devoted to them. You're not just coming in, following some rules, and then leaving. How sad would it be if I had children and my only focus is that they just follow my rules? <laughs> Like, what an awful and traumatizing, like, relationship, right? So repent, yes, but know why you're repenting. God wants intimacy with you and with me. And coming clean, that's just good consistency to, for a healthy relationship, right? Coming clean is just a good, consistent start for any healthy relationship. Lord God, let's pray. Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. We're going to continue um, in worship, but uh, we have some journal prompts here. And uh, I just encourage you to take time to journal. Sorry, for I didn't tell you ahead of time, but take time, grab a piece of paper or your phone out or something. Take some time to talk to God. Again, we're starting kind of big. What lies am I believing today? Or like what's blocking my view of the kingdom of heaven? What's the truth? What's the truth about God? What's the truth about the kingdom? And a little bit closer, tell God what you need from him. Like you're talking to your father. And then most intimately, ask God what he needs from you. Like a good father. So we'll take time. Um to uh, journal after George leads us in a liturgy.